All right, everybody, here we go. Back for another episode of Two Man Advantage, uh, the world-famous podcast featuring myself, Scott Burnside, and, as always, Pierre Lebrun. I don't even know if it's world-famous yet, but how do you feel about it, Pierre? How, do you, how are you doing this it, it, it is in our own minds, that's for sure. <laughs> like everything with me, a legend in my own mind. So, how are things in Toronto now? And you know, have people gone into a great uh, vat of despair after the Leafs actually came up with a bit they of a clunker? A and yeah, they lost a game. Uh, oh, never mind. Parade's off. Yeah, the parade is off for now. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, maybe they'll go ask Lars Eller what he thinks of the Leafs now today. I guess that's Lars's <laughs> job every, every week now to comment on the Leafs. I mean, can you believe the overreaction to that? Oh my goodness, Lars Eller called the Leafs a mere playoff team. What an insult. <laughs> I know. But you know, it actually, it, it leads me to one of the things I wanted to ask you about today. And it, um, Lars Eller is a great example. And I saw that he took pains then after it first came out to go back and explain that he really wasn't throwing dirt on the mighty Leafs, but he was just, he, I gave an honest answer to a question about, you know, some of the, you know, teams that, could, that he, you know, are, are vying for or could be vying for a cup championship, but because he didn't anoint the Leafs. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure they're cup finalists or for sure they're one of the top two or three teams in the NHL. People got their noses out of joint. But And you had a piece last week, and, I, I, and I'm, your lead was perfect. Uh, it was about Drew Doughty, and you, I think you said something like, Drew Doughty, don't ever change. Because, again, he just gave some just... Oh, you know, again, whether how much he was having poking fun at the Toronto market and the Toronto media, but really interesting things to say about the Leafs and John Tavera signing there and whether he could have become a Leaf and how much he wanted to or didn't want to. And of course, ended up signing basically for life in Los Angeles, which I don't think surprised anyone. But people were like, it's like, you know, it created a whole, you know, sort of firestorm or certainly lots of attention. Yeah. And, but (laughs) I guess my, my question is, I think we sometimes, you know, in general, there has become this narrative that hockey players are boring and they lack personality. And, and we think we, some, we repeat this and it becomes as though it's the truth. And I'm not sure it's necessarily true. And I, you, you and I are in a lot of NHL locker rooms and it's I'm in Dallas as we're taping this right now. I had dinner with John Klingberg last night. Uh, you know, is there anybody with more personality than Tyler Sagan? And, uh, you know, Mark Mathot is uh, uh, Jason Spezza, two veteran guys who spent a lot of time. Well, Mathot's from Ottawa, but uh, both are, are well-known in Canadian markets. Uh, both those guys are wildly interesting and very honest. And I don't know, do you think we just have basically accepted this hockey players are boring thing? Because it's easy to accept, and and maybe they're it's it's actually filled with a lot more personality than than we give them credit for having. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I think they're probably more than than what the perception is. But I do think, in general, there's a reason the perception exists, Scott. I, I do think, in general, hockey players aren't comfortable talking about themselves. I mean, there really is a high degree of humility in, in the sport of hockey, yeah. and, and and I think a lot of it comes from sort of the breakdown of the nationalities, right? I mean, you, I, this is such a generalization. It's ridiculous. But you get all these guys from Finland and Sweden and Canada. You know, I, I just think the makeup of the sport is different. And there are a lot of guys who'd rather talk about their teammates than themselves. And and, and that's a great quality, but it's, it can be boring at times. I mean, I think that yeah. is true, even though, like you said, there are still lots of good personalities in the game. It's interesting. I, <clears throat> And again, maybe it's just, you know, not to toot the athletics 
own horn, although like why not? <clears throat> why shouldn't we? But I and I but I've and I've been Im- so impressed with you know with a lot of players who've been willing now in 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 coming forward and talking about their own issues and whether it's in terms of mental health or physical issues. And, you know, you think of the terrific mm-hmm. story out of Buffalo on Kyle Pozo and uh, Robin Leonard's uh, very personal, very revealing first person that, uh, you know, ran uh, before the start of, or I guess right, right around training camp and about his, his own issues. And uh, maybe I, well, I'll ask you, do you think maybe we're getting to a point where people are, less you know that the the stigma of oh if i'm honest about personal issues um i'll be shunned or it'll be hard for me to get a contract do you think we're slowly seeing that strip away that people that players say mm-hmm. hey listen i'm i i can this happened to me and i'm not going to keep it inside i'm i am going to share it because maybe it does the greater good or whatever i mean do you think we're edging towards yeah well i certainly hope so I mean, that seems to be the trend and it's terrific. I mean, I just think it's so healthy on many levels. And that's also reflective, I think, of what's happening in society around us, which is also a good thing. And, you know, I, I think of, of the, the the Bell Let's Talk campaign every year that I yep. think has made a huge difference. And the key, though, is not just to talk about it one day a year, but to, to, to stay on it. And, uh, you know, I've had people in my life affected. And, uh, yep. you know, I, I do think quite simply, Quite simply, I think what's happening in the NHL is is what's happening in society, and it, and it's a terrific thing. I mean, you know, especially players who have suffered injuries in in, in retirement and are are having a hard time dealing with it, both physically and mentally. Those guys need help, and yeah. uh, and, and you shouldn't hopefully be scared to talk about it or reach out for help. I mean, absolutely, that's uh, yeah something we want to keep seeing. Yeah, good stuff. Well, people should continue to subscribe to the Athletic because they'll see it there. So that's that's what they should do. There you so, go. Um, I'm curious. We're about uh, what two days into uh, Dopa Palooza in Canada for the legalization <laughs> I, of marijuana. For the record, I'll, I haven't I, I haven't smoked up. But uh, okay, well, but it's I, legal I, if, I, if I wanted to. Yeah, well, it's, it's funny, you know, as a family, we've, we've done some investing in the marijuana stock. So there you go. That's uh, it's part of the it's part of the the mainstream. And I, I wonder, you know, I, I know a lot of people have sort of looked at you can use that term. Um, a lot of people have looked at, well, what, what will it mean? You know, and it's not just the NHL, obviously, but, uh, uh, you know, the NFL, you know, it's been legal in Colorado for a number of years now, and uh, but certainly having a national policy where uh, where it, it, marijuana, the use of marijuana has been legalized both medicinally and recreationally. Do, do you think the NHL and the PA like is it going to be something that you know the that is going to the league's going to have to sort of react to, or maybe between the league and the players look at their own. Um, policies regarding the use of marijuana given that it is legal in now seven of their uh, 31 franchises or and then i think bill daly the deputy commissioner has been said listen we you know we have our own we're happy right now with how we you know want monitor our players and the rules that we have in effect and they can have rules right it's their league and if the players agree to it that that you know it's not like the league suddenly has to say okay well every you know, players can do whatever they want but i wonder if you think as we move along here it will you know, cause for for change for for both the players' association and then and the NHL as we move forward. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it, it doesn't seem like the league is overly concerned as far as, as I can tell. And, and, and I guess that's their stance right now. Um, you know, I, I, and in, in the NHL and NHLPA drug testing plan, uh, players are not punished for positive marijuana tests, which I didn't even know until when, when I read it the other day. Right. Um, so, you know, and, which is different, by the way, than other leagues, right? So the NHL is already more lenient that way than, than other North American leagues. But I guess at the end of the day, it's it's like anything in, uh, anything else in life. I guess it's going to be a case by case basis where you, you would want to monitor it like anything else to make sure that you know even though alcohol is legal, if you felt you had a player with an alcohol problem, then you want to want to deal with it through the substance abuse program in the NHL, right? So exactly. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, so so I guess my point is that you know I don't know what changes other than you obviously would want to make sure that players aren't uh, going to town on it basically, um, you know, when they have a game that day, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I guess for me, but, the but, interesting... But, I, I, but it's kind of a, you know, at this point, a common sense approach, I guess, is what I would say. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Riley Cote, the former player and former minor pro coach, and now <clears throat> really involved in the in the, the hemp industry and the, in the hemp lobby, I guess, is a one of the mm-hmm. term. And Riley and I chatted last week. Um and I know he's, you know, he's been very. <clears throat> he advocates for the the, the controlled and, and supervised use for um, dealing with pain, recovery. Yeah, yeah, the benefits of health mm-hmm. benefits of it. Mm-hmm. And um, and his, you know, he's speculating that lots of NHL players have <clears throat> have have been involved in this on their own. And like, I guess it'll be just it would be interesting if at some point, you know, does a training staff say, well. You know, I think these. This is actually a good way. You know, and especially with all of the right. issues with the opioid crisis, certainly in America. Well, I'm gonna say, I, I, it certainly seems like a better alternative to getting hooked on oxy, right? Right. Well, exactly. I mean, yeah. Which I think was a problem certainly during a time in the NHL. So yeah, I mean, there are there are obvious benefits to, uh, um, you know, to to what cannabis can can do, and and again, it's all about you know, how controlled it is and, and how it's used and, and, and everything. But yeah, I can definitely see that. Side of it. Yeah, that's interesting. All right. I'm going to, uh, I did some math this morning. Like I know you already filed a story oh today. Yeah. Oh <clears throat> but I did some well, math. we work for the I, athletic. So, I mean, we got a lot of smart number crunchers at our place. Just <laughs> not you and I. No, let's, <clears throat> there's every possibility that I'll have these numbers wrong. But all right. So here are the number. the first set of numbers I'll give you. 11, 6, and 2. And as you and I speak, that is a combined record of Montreal, Ottawa, and Vancouver, which is pretty darn impressive. And I, I wonder when you look at those three teams, and certainly teams that I think a lot of us imagined were, were just, you know, we're going to be buried early. And it hasn't been, you know, it hasn't been the case, obviously. All three of those teams have, have really done um, some some surprising work. And I think Ottawa has been impressive to watch. You know, every night they lose another player or Brady Kachuk after an incredible start. Now he's out for a month or so with an injury and, uh, but they continue to play a very fast, entertaining, competitive style of hockey. Vancouver has been terrific. Uh, and Montreal, you and I've talked about them, of course, with Carey Price uh, leading the way there, but has, you know, they have been, I think, a very pleasant surprise to Montreal fans. And I wonder, okay, wh- when you think of those three teams, what comes to mind and maybe 
what's the what's the sustainability? I know that I saw some writers in Vancouver saying, "Stop saying it's not sustainable." Well, like who who knows, right? Like we don't know, right? You just you got to keep playing right. the games. But I wonder what you it, when you think of those funny three league, teams. Uh, you know. How many years have I talked about the crushed beer can standings? Guys? Yeah. And, uh, and I guess, and I think people don't like people don't like the idea that that there's that much randomness, right? People want answers and number crunching and predictability, but I'm telling you, despite all the analytical tools that we have today, which are, are awesome because it gives us a, a much better idea of the game, never before has this league been more unpredictable than it is now. I mean, did we need an expansion team reaching the cup final to drive home that point? I don't know. But um, you asked me if I'm surprised. I don't know if I get surprised by anything anymore with the NHL. I'm serious. Like, you know, sometimes I feel like I should take whatever team I I think going into the year, I think is the worst team in the league. I should take them to make the playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) Just go to bet against myself. But, you know, certainly of the three teams you mentioned, I think Montreal is the least surprising of the three. Just, just, yeah. In, in, in terms of comparing all three. I mean, I do yep. think that Ottawa and Vancouver, I think things will, will will settle down a bit. And, you know, I think things will be a little tougher on each of those teams as time goes on. Ottawa in particular is so young, especially on the blue line. I think there'll be some tougher nights. I, listen, the Canadians, I mentioned this the other day, people forget, like two years ago, they won the Atlantic Division. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, a lot of those players are still there, namely the goalie. So, uh, you know, that I picked them to make, to make the playoffs for the season, no. But I thought, as you know, and I told you this before the season started, I thought they'd play meaningful hockey right to the end. I mean, I, I, yeah. I didn't. I really think they'd get back and bounce back from last year and and not be a doormat. I just think at the end of the day that their lack of pure offensive finish um, on that roster will come back and bite them on, on some nights this year, and I think that's still true. But... You know, I, I work a lot of their games in the studio at TSN for the Habs uh, regional package, and so I watch a lot of their games. And, you know, from day one of training camp, Cole Julian and the coaching staff have had been playing such a different style than a year ago. They play with way more pace, more aggressive forecheck right in your face, and they gave the Blues all kinds of problems with that the other night. Yeah. And, um, and just a more up-tempo game. Um, every line has speed. Uh, the defense is mobile. Mike Riley's an unbelievable early season story. Minnesota cast off. Yeah. Um, I, I just think as, as time goes on, though, and Thomas Tatar has been terrific, by the way, uh, leading the team in scoring. But as time goes on, I still think there are nights where it's like, you know what? They, they, they were fast. They had the puck lots. But, you know, they just they struggled to score. And I think that's still going to be their bugaboo at times this season. But, you know what? I, I think they've already showed me enough where I think they'll certainly be uh, – play meaningful hockey here for for good stretch yeah well and it's <clears throat> I, I mean the, the one team that you know has sort of fallen right into form and uh, you know is that we thought was wasn't going to be very good and, and Detroit are one of two teams um without a win as, as you and I are uh, chatting about this and, and I think everyone mm-hmm. expected it was gonna be a hard long season in Detroit and it's certainly starting out that way but for teams where you the expectation was so low it, I I'm with you I, I just think it's really important it's important for fans in those markets, but I think it's important around the league to, to, to give hope, right? I mean, you can't, you know, that just because everyone looks at a certain team in a roster and says, well, <clears throat> no good can happen there. Uh, you, it's a reminder that 
the, those are all NHL players. They're they're in the NHL for a reason, and with good coaching and with dedication and all those kinds of things, you can overcome <clears throat> a lack of talent or a lack of experience or whatever it is, and have some success at least for, you know, a you know a, certainly still a very brief period of time in this early season. But mm-hmm. I think those those are important messages to to send. Um, well, well, first of all, I I, I sense that the the happiest fan base in the NHL right now is is in Detroit. <laughs> I think yeah. that I think they're all in on boring the Toronto Maple Leafs script from 2015 and uh, and going tank up a loser for Jack Hughes. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that Wings fans are, are on board for that. Um, I don't know that uh, Wings management believes in that script. I think that yes, Kenny Holland and his staff. I think they, they they've gotten younger as a team. They want to continue to get younger. They want to transition this team. But the idea of you know tanking is I don't think is in their DNA. And, 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 you know, I agree with them. I think that, you know, I think you can argue that Edmonton and Buffalo are still scraping their way out of a decade long funk of what happens when you decide to completely drop a grenade on everything and say, you don't have to win for a few years because you want to rebuild. And it's dangerous because you, you, you want young players to be cultured in an environment of this is how, you're a pro. This is how, you know, you should have, you should approach the game every day, work ethic, um, you know, your, your, your state of mind, it, you know, it, I, I, I'm totally with those who believe that, you know, I think the Boston Bruins are a great example of, you know, you know, they, they, they transitioned their team around key veterans, you know, Chara and Bergeron were still there to bring in all these kids and show them how to win. That's how you rebuild in my mind. And I think that's what Detroit wants to do. I think they still want some veteran players around the kids that they have and the kids that they're going to continue to bring in here over the next few years. Yeah, that's very true. All right. Um, before we end this first segment, <clears throat> I'm going to give you more. I guess I, I was busy this morning. I had my, my uh, back us out and uh, was doing some calculating. So I'm going to give you three more numbers. <clears throat> You're what? <laughs> I, my it's not it's an abacus it's an old it's an ancient mathematical machine i anyway you, uh, okay. right, I use my calculator <laughs> three nine five and that is the combined record of st Florida. louis blues at los angeles you know, he, you're reading my script los angeles kings and the florida panthers one of only right. two teams as we speak without a win yet in this uh, early regular season. Ooh, <clears throat> and I, again, whacked by the Islanders last night. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's, and then they have, and they just, um, I didn't know what, to, I honestly, I just didn't really know what to make of the Kings going into this year. You know, of course, adding Ilya mm-hmm. Kovalchuk, who's been, you know, has been okay. Right. I mean, I think he's, I, I don't have it in front of me, but he, you know, he's been productive. Yeah. You know, you had Jeff Carter Red coming back. Carlisle. To, to yeah. quote Randy Carlisle while he was Leafs coach, okay, just okay. <laughs> just okay. But I know that this this is a team that seems, and I know they haven't had Jonathan Quick, and now that's, he's he's getting ready to come back. I think they've activated him. No, he, uh, he was activated uh, yesterday. Yesterday, right. So, you know, yeah. that's, that's a mitigating factor, no question. Although I think really the issue for the Kings has been, for the most part, they just, <clears throat> they're not dynamic enough offensively. And I want, you know, it's a function of going back to your point of earlier, this game, the game, you cannot play if you can't play with pace. Right? If you don't have right. speed, skill, you cannot 
play. And, you know, Edmonton has struggled with that outside of the kid named Connor McDavid. Um, certainly last year, that was an issue for them, I think. And, and I'll, I'll ask you, I mean, is that the issue with this Los Angeles team? Is Are they are they built for a different kind of game? Or is this just one of those, hey, they'll, they'll yeah. get better? I think they will get better, but I don't know if they're more than what we already know they are, which is last year they made the playoffs and lost in the first round. I think that's still who they are. Now, whether they just miss out or just make it, I think they're I think they're a bubble team. And, you know, this is the tough thing about the salary cap NHL and, and, and changing the identity of a team and, 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 you know, transitioning. Listen, no one's going to complain in L.A., just like no one's complaining in Chicago that, these are leaner times after the winning they've done, right? You win two Stanley Cups in LA. No one's going to have the violin out for you that right now, you know, they're not playing well and and they're not as special as they want to score. That's life. And it's life because when you're paying Andre Kopitar 10 million a year and Drew Doughty has him next year, 11 million a year. And, you know, Jonathan quit 5.8 million a year, you know, locking up your, your core guys it just doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room for the rest of the roster. And, and yeah. to transition those teams around those cores, just like Chicago is around Kane and Taze and Seabrook and Keith, you know, you have to draft unbelievably well. Uh, you got to get lucky on some bargains. Uh, but it's just, I guess what I'm saying is it, it's hard. You know, people are like, well, just, you know, change, change the, uh, you know, they should change their look. Well, it's hard. It's hard because you're committed to some really good players. And the only thing you can change are the deck chairs around those players. And and I don't think changing the deck chairs has you know that much of an impact. So the key really is is how you draft and, and bring in young dynamic players, and uh, you know and that's what you got to count on if you're a Kings fan right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's been it's tough times. And you mentioned it. <clears throat> you, you know, you mentioned of course they they get into the playoffs and then were swept by Vegas. Now, you know, a lot yeah. of that was Mark Andre Fleury and there were the close bottom line in that is series, but close yeah. games. Yeah, but they got swept. Yeah. They couldn't score. And the, the offense is, continues to be an issue for them this year. And, you know, they, back when they were winning cups, I, mean, I remember you writing the story that they were the ultimate team. And Chicago is a little bit like it. It didn't matter to them at their peak whether they, in fact, they preferred, I think it might have even been Drew Doughty. He was like, yeah, we don't care if we win a division or a president's trophy because uh, we know that that doesn't matter. We know that, it, you know, right. wherever the door opens for us you know, in those top eight spots. And of course they won their first cup coming out of the eighth seed uh, and roll, like just rolled through teams. But this is not that team. <laughs> like if they get in as the eighth seed, I, I I'm with you. They're, they're a team that, yeah, you know, they're, they're, yeah. they're a team that shouldn't compete with a Nashville or a Winnipeg or a, no, I was going to say, particularly where you look at the elite teams down the West and, and, uh, you know, as much as we have parity, we do, I still like my chances of someone out of Nashville, Winnipeg, San Jose, uh, especially those three teams getting out. Now, the Sharks haven't looked particularly great, although they had a nice win last night over Buffalo. But I guess I'm judging it more on the, the, the their roster potential. And I, I think the Sharks will win the Pacific. But um, and, and, you know, another team that's looked good early on is the Calgary Flames, by the way. And I, and I did peg them to make it this year in part because I thought the Pacific was, was going to start to have a different look. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're a well-balanced team. You know, they really, I watched that game against Boston the other night and they, they beat a really good Bruins team, but beat them soundly. Yes. And, yeah. Uh, I watched that you game. Know, as well. That Flames team is going to be interesting this year. The key, of course, as always, Mike Smith staying healthy. Yeah. <clears throat> but if you can, um, you know, I think that's a playoff team. 
So, so just to <clears throat> finish up my wild mathematical uh, equation here, uh, yeah. with, with both St. Louis and, and Florida in that mix, of course, Florida without a win, as we're speaking now, and St. Louis really... Yeah. They've only played four uh, games, mind you, but... Yeah, no, uh, agreed. Florida's in that kind of weird thing. They're 0-2-2. Oh, two and two. Uh, St. Louis is a little bit different group. Now, they played six, and they're 1-3-2. and two. Of, of those two teams, like, do you, uh, do you like the notion that, and I think for a lot of people, especially St. Louis, both were are built to be a playoff team. Do you do you see bounce yeah. back ability for both those teams, or are you concerned about one more than the other? Or what do you think? No, I do. I mean, my concern with Florida is Luongo being hurt, and and which is yep. you know was a concern going into the year at the age of thirty nine with durability. Um. So so that's my concern, but I I, I do think I know I love their top six and. You know, I do think that team's going to start scoring goals. Uh, and I think the Blues will bounce back, too. I thought we saw it the other night. I mean, uh, I don't know if you watched the Blues-Habs game, but I yes. thought they all Montreal in the third period, like completely hemmed in the Canadians for the entire period. And, uh, you know, the Canadians did well to defend, and then <laughs> that crazy goal of nine seconds well, left, breaking yeah. St. Louis's back. But but what I'm saying is I didn't see a team that looked lost or, or, or desperate or, or, you know, I saw a team that was coming and, you know, whether or not that goal nine seconds left has left them wounded or not. We'll see, I guess, next game, the loser in Toronto uh, on Saturday. But I, I thought, I thought they, they really had their game going in Montreal in the third period. So that's something to build up. But, you know, again, with, you know, Jake Allen's got to be better. And that game started 30 something seconds in with Max Domi beating him on a, on a backhand. And, you know, that's a goal you can't allow. And, yep. and so, you know, that, that's, you know, I think that's part of the equation. That's not the only one, but I, I do think we need, you know, the Blues need better goaltending from, from Jake Allen as well. You know, that's, that, that's a very simple item to, to check off on uh, amongst other things there with the Blues. I and mean, I thought defensively they made a, a lot of mistakes, uh, including on the winning goal there. Yeah, but, that was not uh, good. <laughs> no, but, you know, I, they need to tighten up in their own end as well. But uh, But certainly... Jake Allen playing at his best uh, would go a long way towards turning the ship there too. Right. Well, and the other, you know, they've scored 17 goals in six games and Ryan O'Reilly, Pat Maroon and Tyler Bozak, the three big off season additions have combined for one goal. Now I know, you know, they've got, they, you know, O'Reilly's got five assists and Maroon's got three, but yeah, I mean, they aren't scoring enough and, and you're right. And, and, and it seems for them on almost any given night that it's just one thing comes up and bites them. And that's, that's it, and there and there you go. And that's a team that really needs to make the playoffs, right? And of course, everyone knows that they, you know, the heartbreaking loss in Game 82, and you know, one of the great. I mean, to me, that was my favorite regular season game, right? A year ago, Colorado, St. Louis. You know, you win, you go to the playoffs. You lose, you go home. And you know, <clears throat> terrific drama. But the Blues were on the outside, and for a team in that market, and given their budgets, and like, uh, well, I'll ask you. I mean, how? What's the pressure? What's the urgency of that Blues team to get back to the playoffs, especially given the off-season additions that they made? Yeah, I think that's accurate. And the one thing you know with Doug Armstrong, the GM, is that if 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 you know we get the U.S. Thanksgiving and he's not happy with his team, he will not be worried about picking up the phone. <laughs> no, he will not. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, among the the boldest GMs in this league, and I just love that. So, uh, but but I do think that. I think the Blues will turn it around. Um, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Colorado, by the way. They're off to a terrific start. And yes, so this they are. notion 
they handed the Devils their first loss of the year last night. And this notion that the young Avs were, were going to have some regression and come back to earth, I mean, obviously that can still be true. It's very early, but they're off to a really impressive start. I watched a lot of their games, and uh, I, I think people are going to be talking a lot more about uh, Rantanen this year than they were. I mean, he, obviously he's part of that great top line, but the focus, obviously, is always on Nick McKinnon. I think people are going to know more and more about about Rantanen as, uh, before this year is out. And just a real special player. That's right. And you know what? I could have done more math, and I could have come up with eight, two, and two, and that is a combined record of Colorado and New Jersey, two teams that... You know, I, I was were... told there'd be no math. <laughs> you don't have to do it. I just did it. In fact, I just did this without the aid of an Abacus or a calculator. And good for them. You meant, you know, that was the first loss for New Jersey, uh, losing to Colorado. But both those teams, I think people were like, okay, well, yeah, let's let's mark them as a team that will will backslide. And, and both of them are off to uh, really good starts. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, John Hines' team in New Jersey, man, they play hard and fast. And, I mean, you can't. You, just, you 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 better be ready to to play the game when you when you play the Devils and and I'm with you Colorado's you know a pleasant surprise and good for Jared Bednar to to get that team because I think you know it would have been if you start one and five or something like that it, it would that would be a real challenge for Jared Bednar because the you know a young team and you know you maybe they feel oh last year was a fluke but boy they're off to a start that says hey no we're we're not going anywhere so. Here, and look at this. I, I know you're looking at the standings. You get your calculator. Ready. You do that, and we will come back in a few minutes. But right now, we are going to listen to uh, my conversation with Ben Bishop of the Dallas Stars.
I'm, I'm curious when you when you think of you know, Ben and I talked about it during that conversation. But when you think of Ben Bishop, and you know, of course he got hurt in March, early March last year, came back very briefly, and then was hurt and gone for the rest of the regular season. And no coincidence that that was part of the horrific slide that cost the Stars a playoff spot, and and ultimately I think cost Ken Hitchcock his job and opened up the change that side. Jim Montgomery come in uh, from the college ranks to take over the team. When you think of, of Dallas and you think of Ben Bishop, what's, you know, how important is he to the equation? And if he doesn't get hurt, what, I mean, are we talking about a completely different sort of history, a, a set of dynamics? Well, first of all, I think the downfall of their season last year was allowing Scott Burnside of DallasStars.com on the team charter. <laughs> I mean, did they actually think that, they would have enough red wine to go through an entire year with you on there. Right? Well, I know that they, apparently their uh, their bottom line is much better this year with Mike Kaika <laughs> taking my spot. They're they are def- they're definitely in the red now, and uh, or sorry, in the black, <clears throat> at least in terms of their food services budget. So yes, you are correct. Um, yeah, the stars are an enigma to me, and uh, you know I think you could argue they might have you know that that top line. Uh, second Ben Aradulov might be the best in the league, and yet uh, certainly people in Boston might disagree with that, and people in Toronto. But um, yeah. but I just find them so top heavy. I, I, I watch their games, and I feel like when that line isn't on the ice, that I'm not concerned about anyone else scoring a goal. Yeah, no, it's very and, true. And and so that to me is a flaw. Um, you know, I think their blue line has gotten better, and, and yeah, and healthy Ben Bishop so certainly. Uh, paramount for them to make the playoffs but i don't know I, I i'm not i mean listen no team's perfect in the cap era you got every, every team has holes but uh but but i do find when i it's jarring to me at times sometimes how top heavy that you know the, the offense is and how much they rely on on, on those three guys no, well, it's, you know, and it's, uh, I mean, it's interesting and early on, you know, and, it, and it's been more of a pro it's, you know, was the same early last year. And then I think Jim Montgomery is dealing with this as, as well this year is that when you play at home, you, you know, with last change, it's easier for you to maximize the potential for that big, that big line. And I, and you know, you talk Radulov saying, and Ben, and then John Klingberg on the back end, who already has four goals in six games. Like there is for me, and I'm not saying this because we had dinner and I'm going to write about it, but you know, he's definitely, he was in the Norris discussion until that team fell off the map a year ago. I'm not saying you should have won it, right? But he's no. was in the discussion certainly around the All Star break, as, and he, it should have been. He's a he's a really good player, but if he would have won the Norris last year, I give up. Oh yeah, no, and no one, no, he's like, like he would he wouldn't have wanted it. He did though. He and I've had frank discussions about it. I mean, he knew, absolutely but terrific of defenseman. But to me, my Norris Trophy winner needs to be well rounded, and, and I think oh, he's getting there. Yeah. I think his game has greatly improved, but wasn't time yet. No, no, exactly. Yeah, that was my. I wasn't suggesting that he got robbed in any sense, or if they'd made the playoffs, he would have been in there. But anyway, he was part of the discussion. But that, and to your point, you know, they're, they're, those guys now they have. I'm doing more math here. Look at just like what we're talking here: seven and eight, fifteen goals between those four guys, and the right. rest of the roster has competed three. <laughs> so, right. yeah, you you're and yeah. So the, to your point, um, that team is. Uh, to me, I don't know. I don't think you make the. It happened to them last year, and certainly the bishop injury was a, a mitigating factor. But they had the same issue last year, right? If that if that group didn't score, it, it didn't 
it didn't get done. And the Jim Montgomery is going to have to find a way um, to to get the rest of that group. And whether it's Radic Fax or Devin Shore, I mean, they added Blake Como mm-hmm. as a veteran guy. Um, you know, the, they're you know Jason Spets has got four assists in six games. Good for Jason, and and I know it was a very difficult year for him last year, but he also needs to find the back of the net too. So it will be interesting to see if they can. And that's. You know, all the, that's what all the good teams have, right? They have. I, mean, I think right. of Washington, and I think of Jacob Brana and Devonte Smith, Pelly, and Lars Eller, and the guys that contributed up and yep. down that lineup. Uh, if you don't get that, you don't you don't go very far. So. Well, and you don't have to go to the East to, I mean, you know, drive home the point in their own division, the Central. And you look at, you know, the depth up front of the Winnipeg Jets and the and the National Predators, and the idea sure. of. Getting contributions from other lines. I mean, Adam Lowry's on fire to start the year in Winnipeg. You know, the third line center. That's that's the that's why those teams stand out, right? Yep. And um, you know, you know, I, I do think the Stars have a good enough team to make the playoffs. I just I don't know at this point when I watch them play whether they have enough jam to do more than that. Um, and but yeah, I could be wrong. Yeah. Oh, come on. No, you could. You're not. You're not wrong, my friend. <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun. It's always fun to to do this, and uh, so you know, like flex my mathematical muscles this morning. Oh my and goodness! So impressive. Yeah, feeling pretty good about myself. All right. Well, let, yeah. let's do it again next week. See what sound, happens. You didn't sound too hungover either. So, <laughs> uh, no, it's very. It's, it's game day. I always treat the podcast days like a game day, my friend. So, um, <laughs> all right. Have a good day. We'll do it again next week. All right, try, trade me easy, Gilliatt, please. Yeah, like, no, that's honestly, not happening. It's getting personal that, now. Trade me easy, Gilliatt. You just offered me eight players for him. No, it's not going to happen. Yeah, sorry. Should have okay. taken it. Yeah, I should have. All right, till next week. <laughs>